Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers, part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm Aaron Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. In this episode, we're looking at three biopics on important figures in the Indian independence movement. First up, Amir Khan plays Mangal Pandey, a sepoy who kickstarted the Indian Rebellion of 1857 in 2005's Mangal Pandey, The Rising from Ketan Mata. Then we're going forwards in history, but backwards in filmmaking chronology, to Rajkumar Santoshi's The Legend of Bhagat Singh from 2002, featuring Ajay Devgan as the famous revolutionary and HSRA member. Finally, Vicky Koshal plays Udham Singh, a freedom fighter who assassinated former Lieutenant Governor of Punjab, Michael O'Dwyer, to avenge the Jalanwala Bagh massacre in Shujit Sarkar's Sadar Udham, streaming now on Amazon Prime. Before we begin, we'd like to respectfully acknowledge that we record this podcast on Treaty 6 territory, home to First Nations and Métis people. And just a little bit of a note, there's some pretty heavy stuff that happens in all of these movies, uh, quite violent. Yes, all of these movies are are pretty violent to some extent, uh, some more than others. Some more realistically than others. Yes, for anyone who's seen these films, I I think they'll they'll know what we're talking about. Uh, But also, these films are all about revolution and often bloody revolution so it is to be expected and counter-revolution yes uh so we 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 just want to put that out there that you know there's some heavy stuff in these films uh also we are not experts on indian history on the indian independence movement all we've done is watched a lot of movies yes we've we've spoken in the past about and played a board game yes I, I think that the Gandhi board game actually is pretty useful for mm-hmm. understanding, especially in Bhagat Singh. Yes, and we've, we've read things, we've watched, you know, like some of those Great Courses Plus lectures, uh, but we've, we've spoken in the past before about how uh, we weren't taught a lot about Indian history in school growing up. And I've, I've said that to, to some people in the past, and they've said like, well, we didn't learn People who, who didn't grow up in Canada, they've said, you know, we didn't learn a lot about Canadian history growing up. And I was like, well, that's fair. But at least where we are in Canada, in Alberta, we learned a lot about other cultures. <laughs> about yeah. other cultures. China, Brazil, the USSR. Even yeah. though it wasn't, Japan. it didn't exist. Even though the USSR didn't exist anymore, we still read, like, it was still in our history books because they were hella old. Yeah, it wasn't just that we learned about, like, the First and Second World War and the French Revolution. Like, we spent a lot of time learning about Japan. Mm-hmm. And so you would think that considering the large South Asian population in Canada, there's a very large South Asian diaspora in Canada, and also how how the we are still feeling the reverberations of partition mm-hmm. and and the Indian independence movement that you'd think we would learn more than Gandhi as kind of like a footnote. That's really, like, they just kind of gloss over Gandhi and that's it. Yeah. So a lot of what we've learned about Indian history, especially this period uh, leading up to partition and post-partition, we've learned through movies. Yeah. So we fully recognize that, you know, we are... We're going to discuss these films. We're going to discuss them as films. We learned a lot about... And board games. We did learn through <laughs> yeah. board games. Well, no, but these three films. Three of these movies, yeah. yeah. We're going to discuss them as, you know, pieces of cinema. But I think we did learn a lot about the Indian independence movement through them. And Rang de Basanti, too, which yeah. kind of touches on uh, some of the stuff going on in the Bhagat Singh movie and uh, Udam Singh. 
because those are kind of yeah. connected guys. So yeah, it's I'll, especially connected to the Bhagat Singh film. But I think like that's a really good place to start learning about this stuff. I think it was good that we kind of watched that one before we watched some of these historical biopics. Mm-hmm. So well, it shows that it's still relevant, and important nowadays. That's the whole point of the movie. That is the whole point of Rang to Basanti. It's true. Uh, so go so, look, go listen to our episode about that if you haven't heard it. <laughs> so that's our little kind of you know preamble and disclaimer about what we're about to talk about. Uh, I think also as we allude to in our opening, we usually discuss films chronologically in an episode. Uh, chronologically on when they were produced, when they were well and released. Yeah. Yes, which. Uh, is not the only way that you can look at cinema. And obviously the show itself doesn't take a chronological perspective, though we no. kind of have with series like our Anil Kapoor series and our Amitabh Bachchan series. We try to. We've tried to. Uh, it is it is often useful to kind of put things into context, I think, especially for us in understanding how how Bollywood and, and Hindi cinema has developed over the, the years. industry yes but with these ones since they're historical events it makes sense to look at them in the historical of order of events especially considering these revolutions and revolutionary actions all play off of each yeah. other that being said we watched them backwards yes yes we did <laughs> but i think that was actually good because you know some things that were kind of mysterious in sardar udam once you see the legend of bhagat singh like oh that mm-hmm. totally makes sense and then, in fact, Bagat Singh. Well, he's a character in Sardar Udam. He doesn't have the and hat. Then, though. And then, in the Legend of Bagat Singh, they mention Mangal Pandey. Yeah. Um, obviously, they're too far apart in 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 eras for Mangal Pandey to be a character. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was. Just, and also, considering what happens to him in the movie. Exactly. <laughs> well, and in life. Yeah. Uh, but that was a nice kind of through line that we were like, oh, see, like. Each yeah. of these films are like name checking each other. Yeah, and I kind of wish I got to watch Rang de Pasanti again. I mean, I love that movie, but also. Yeah, Rang de Pasanti's fantastic. It, it uh, really identifies this period really well. Yeah. So that brings us to the first film that we're going to discuss Mango Pande, The Rising. It came out in 2005, directed by Ketan Mehta, and it stars Amir Khan as Mango Pande, Rani Mukherjee. Toby Stevens, Amisha Patel, Kieran Kerr, and Om Puri is the narrator. Uh, the film is about the onset of the Indian Rebellion of 1857, which, from what I understand, is largely one of the major inciting events that starts the Indian independence movement, which, again, as we already mentioned, ran from 1857 to partition in 1947. It's also the point at which control of India by Britain moves from the East India Company to the actual crown taking over yes. just because the the Sepoys like depleted the East India Company and made you know the the crown actually had to come in and start the Raj up basically yes. which is exactly what we see in the film or well, the events later they explain in the last two minutes as <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this happens uh, so the film received positive reviews from critics it was the fourth highest grossing Bollywood film of 2005 um, so the plot it's obviously a biopic of Mango Pande he's a sepoy or sepoy I said sepoy in I the think opening sepoy okay He's a it's sep- not a word I'm super familiar with. I've only ever read it. Yeah, that's Apart fair. from watching this movie. That's fair. Um, but he's an infantryman in, for the 
East India Company in Afghanistan when the film opens, from what I understand. I think it was Afghanistan. There was lots of like private wars and things that were going on, but they eventually moved to Barrackpore. Yes, yes. And he he's a man that who, as we see in kind of early on in the film, has a strong sense of justice when a server is being beaten up for kind of a... A, a bit of a an, an accident of a bit of a faux pas he spills a glass of champagne on uh, a white woman and he tries to kind of correct it and he spills it on her chest and so the like, decolletage yeah and then he's he's beaten for for this accident and mango panda in by, front of well by a fairly hot-headed army guy yes and mango panda in front of all of his you know fellow infantrymen uh, steps in and saves the man. He says, if, if you keep beating him, you know, he will die. And so kind of takes takes the blows himself. And so he, early on in the film, shows his, his desire to protect his fellow countrymen mm-hmm. um, and also to, to stick up for the small people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, he, he's willing to stick up for the untouchables and for people who are potentially not as privileged or is lower in the caste system than him. But like, as a support, like he has pretty good money. Like, like he's in a fairly privileged position in India at the time because he's like, he's got a position of authority in the army in like the East India company's private army. So like, he's got a lot to lose actually. Mm -hmm. He's kind of like a big man around town. Mm hmm. And he develops a friendship with uh, Toby Stevens's character, uh, who is Captain William Gordon. And he shows himself to be more sympathetic, more empathetic to the Indian people than a lot of the a lot of his colleagues in the mm-hmm. East India Company. And so there's a scene where he and Mango Pandey and a British woman kind of out and about. And they essentially see a slave auction, and Randy auctioning off Randy Mukherjee. Yeah, Randy Mukherjee is being sold off as a prostitute, mm-hmm. and the woman is is shocked because you know slavery should be outlawed. It is, and, in and England, it yeah. is outlawed in England. But they explain the way in which it's still kind of allowed here, and and so Toby Stevens and Mango Pandey again, like they don't step in in this situation, but later on we see a scene where. Uh, they do step in to prevent a sachi a sati ritual. Mm-hmm. Amisha Patel is going to be burned alive with the corpse of her much older husband. And they kind of swoop in, and this starts up a romance between. Pandey's not interested in this, by the way. The white guy no, is like, we should not. do something about this, and Pandey's like, leave this alone. He protects his friend, mm-hmm. but he knows that. But again, this is establishing, you know. That Toby Stevens's character is a good guy. He's a good guy, but he's also hot-headed and maybe doesn't understand the situation that he finds himself yes. in as well as he thinks he does. Yes, but this allows kind of a romance to strike up between him and Amisha Patel, who he saves and she then lives with him. And then obviously, as I mentioned, Rani Mukherjee, she becomes a uh, prostitute who serves the, the British soldiers, the white men. At Kieran Kerr's uh at Kieran Kerr's brothel, yeah. um, but uh, she and Mango Pandey kind of develop a thing. Uh, the main kind of crux of the film that starts off the revolution is, and I think you understand this a little bit more than I do, but I'm going to attempt to explain it. There is a, I don't know how much truth there is to this, but 
there is a rumor that may or may not be true that the packets of bullets and gunpowder mm-hmm. that the Sepoys use in their rifle. So they have a new kind of rifle. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just looking it up in a book here, so you keep going. That they are greased with pig and cow fat. Mm-hmm. And obviously that offends both the Hindu and the Muslim soldiers. And when they use this rifle, they also have to use their teeth to open the packet. Yeah, it's like a little paper bag that's tied shut. And you rip off the top of it. Like, you use your mouth to rip off the top. And then you pour the gunpowder in. And inside, there's also the shot. Mm -hmm. So you pour the gunpowder in. Then you pour the shot in. And then you use the stick to push it all down. And then you can fire. Yeah. Uh, Toby Stevens is essentially kind of... His arm is twisted in a bit. uh, And he essentially says to the soldiers, No, this isn't true. This is a rumor. And so Mangal Pandey, because he, he, believes he believes his friend, uh, agrees to, 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 use, to use the bullet packet, to use the cartridge, yeah. and fires a shot. Well, Toby Stevens might be lying. Well, they find <laughs> out so... that like, the company went to the lowest bidder, right? And exactly. Like, in a place like India, rendering animal fat of the two important animals... You know, that's not going to be a very popular business at all. Exactly. And so this is essentially what sets sets Mangal Pandey's uh, mm-hmm. revolution, his his um, mutiny. His off. insurrection. His insurrection. Yeah, yeah. This is this is what starts it. This so is, I do have information on this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Where is this information coming from? This is a really well researched. Okay. So um, I'm a fan of these books by George MacDonald Fraser called The Flashman Novels. Mm-hmm. And they're about a sort of bastard uh, military officer, he's a cavalryman, who has adventures in the British Empire from about the 1830s all the way till like the 1890s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he basically is involved in like every big military thing that the British did at the time, like the, um, the Charge of the Light Brigade, or he goes to America and fights with John Brown, or he ends up in the Civil War... He goes all over the place. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a way for the author to have like kind of fun with history. So these books are fairly dated in some aspects because they started in the 60s. And he's like, you know how James Bond in the movies is kind of a cad? But in the books, he's like just pure mm-hmm. asshole. Flashman is an asshole. But the idea behind the books, a lot of people probably don't like these books. Like they're fairly dated. But the idea is that what if an absolute bastard became like such an important military man, an important person in English society... It's a way to kind of look at the um, the heart of English society and say, like, it's it's rotten all the way down. If this mm-hmm. crook who shows up in a book, he's he's also from a book from the from the period. The the author just reinvented him in the sixties. Mm-hmm. That the book's called Tom Brown's School Days, um, and he was a bully in that one. But it's showing this guy, like, okay, what if an absolute bastard actually became super important in English society? Well, how what what does this say about English society? What can we talk about it and in the book flashman in the great game which takes place from 1856 to 1858 he ends up in the middle of the indian mutiny mm. and these are super well researched books so the the conceit is that the the author has found this uh, this character this guy's like secret papers that he published only after he died and this is what he says about the bullets the fears and grievances which flashman accounts probably give a fair reflection of the state of mind of many sepoys in early 1857 
Rumors of polluted flour and grease cartridges and stories like that of the Dum Dum Sweeper reinforced the suspicion that the British were intent on interfering with their religion, breaking their caste, altering terms of enlistment, and generally changing the established order. To these were added the Odysseus discontent at the recent annexation of their state, which cost them certain privileges and resentment at the changed attitude toward them, by no means imaginary according to some contemporary writers, and a new generation of British officers and troops who seemed more ignorant and contemptuous than their predecessors. This unfortunately coincided with the arrival in the Bengal army of a better class of sepoys, possibly quicker to take offense or, according to some writers, more spoiled. All of these things combined to undermine confidence and cause unrest, and there was no lack of agitators ready to play on the sepoys' fears. The belief that the British intended to Christianize India was widespread and reinforced by such reforms as the suppression of thuggy and sati, a.k.a. widow burning. The resentment by which reform, reform had created among Indian princes has been referred to. In addition, educational innovations created disquiet. Um, so even did the development of the railway and telegraph. With all these underlying factors, it will be seen that the uh, Greece cartridge was only the eventual spark to the tinder. See also Sita Ram, Lord Roberts, 41 Years in India, etc. So there's a bunch of contemporary resources on this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it seems like just kind of... Maybe not even just reading the room or just not caring about local people's thoughts on this led to a giant rebellion that caused the end of the uh, East India Company. So, And eventually. And eventually, you know, (laughs) India being free 100 years later. So, like, it's, they're interesting books. And uh, if you can read them as kind of an artifact of the time and Mm -hmm. read them with the intent that the author knows that all this stuff is happening is pretty bad and you're not supposed to agree with most of the people in them mm-hmm. like john brown of course you, you like him that kind of thing mm-hmm. but yeah they're good books and they're well researched so mm-hmm. i actually learned a lot about indian history through these books mm-hmm. specifically when the british show up so i guess that's 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 the film that's the inciting incident and it's yeah. you know it's they pick basically like uh it's a touch point right yeah literally and figuratively they found the thing that is going to piss off the most people and they didn't care and this sets off a huge chain reaction. Mm-hmm. When that when that was initially introduced in the film, uh, this idea about the animal fat in the in the cartridges, I didn't realize. And you had said like, "Oh, I remember this from a Flashman novel." I didn't realize that that would go on to be kind of the major drive for the back half of the film to yeah. to get us to this mutiny. Um, it's it's fascinating. Uh, so the film itself, I I really enjoyed this. I, I thought this film had a lot of... It's very colorful and lively film. Great spectacle, like hundreds of guys running around. Yeah. Lots of adventure, sword fights. Yeah, and it just, I think... I think they find a way to kind of have have fun in this era mm-hmm. while still, I think, driving home their, their patriotic message. Uh I really liked a lot of the song and dance sequences in this film. I mean, it helps that you have Randy Mukherjee. But there's also <laughs> like four guys on an elephant who yeah. I think later on we're to assume that they're going around spreading the legend of Mongo Pande mm-hmm. and they kind of sing two or three of the songs. Yeah. So that's a good way of integrating the songs and kind of showing the legend, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this film is, it's it's a lot of fun. Amir Khan, I think, gives a great performance. Kind of understated for him, actually. I, yeah, and I think there's a way that kind of these... He's got a good mustache. These films about revolution and important historical figures can sometimes feel a little dry. These are big swing and dick performances. <laughs> like, these are legitimate national heroes that they're playing. 
and he kind of underplays it. Ajay Devgan does not. <laughs> no, Ajay Devgan does not. But I, I think, don't think he's ever underplayed anything. Or maybe, maybe in a, a Sanjay Leela Bansali movie, but that's it. Well, I think why it works is because you kind of see Mango Pandey's transition from kind of believing, believing his friend, being a part of, you know, essentially being a pawn for the East India Company. But he's treated well by them. But he's treated well by them for the most part to this realization that they don't care about him. They don't care about him. They don't care about anyone. Mm -hmm. And and kind of... It's just capitalism, baby. Yeah. And I think think that's done really well where you see him kind of... Because it doesn't... This film doesn't start out with him having all of these revolutionary ideals. Well... Sure, he sticks up for the common man. It has a sort of epilogue-prologue thing where he's about to be hung for his thing. And then Toby Stevens is like, my buddy. And you find out what happened to them and why he's a scar on his face, that kind of thing. It's also interesting how much of the film is focused on this relationship, this friendship between him and Toby Stevens. Yeah, these three movies, it's stupid to say, but when you're doing <laughs> movies about the interactions between British and Indians, they kind of live or die based on the English people involved. Like, yeah. with the main three actors, you know, Ajay Devgan, Amir Khan, and Vicky Koshal, these are, like, guaranteed good guys. Like, they're... Yeah. Uh, when they're on... When they're doing their jobs right, like, they're really good at what they do. Mm-hmm. But when you have cartoonishly stupid English people in Bhagat Singh, it makes the movie worse. Yeah. But in this, you have Toby Stevens, appears to be speaking credibly good Hindi. I don't know. But, like, he doesn't have the awkward tenor of a Norwegian uh, tourist who's just walked by and asked to be in a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it seems like he's the character that could do this. And in uh, Sardar Adam, like... They hired the, the a real The English guy's actor. in that, too. Like, they got a real actor, yeah. They get real actors. And he does a great job. And I think that just elevates the movie. And you get you give someone for Amir Khan to play off of, because it's all about their relationship. I think especially for us, who, because we speak the language, it yeah. might it might not be as much of a sticking point, or you might not notice it as much if you're yes. not... If you don't speak English. You know, well, in the same way that, you know, sometimes... We talk about how we don't notice, you know, all those references that, that they make to Katrina Kef's accent. Yeah, we can't tell. We can't tell. And so we're watching her performance in a different way. Yeah. When we have English-speaking characters, well, now we can't tell. And so we're watching those performances with an understanding of they the They didn't language. skimp on getting English people. Yeah. Um, my main, like, I, I thought this like, movie was great. I know that's something that they say about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, because... From what like I the Chinese is dumbed down? Well, from what I understand, like they're speaking a lot of different dialects. Oh, sure. They should only be speaking Cantonese, probably. Yeah, I think they might all be speaking Cantonese, well, but from what I understand... Or they should be doing Mandarin. I just remember someone once explaining that like they're speaking all these different dialects, and so if you do speak... Yeah, it feels I weird. think it's Cantonese, because... Yeah. Um, Mandarin Angli, is mainland China, yeah, and Cantonese Angli, would be... Hong Kong, I believe. Yeah, and Ang Lee comes from the Taiwanese tradition, Taiwanese yeah. film industry. Um, but from what I understand, like it's just it's very it's very weird and jarring. Yeah. <laughs> we're all speaking different dialects. But when we watch it, you know, all we're thinking is yeah. like, oh my god, how amazing is Michelle Yeoh? Because <laughs> we can speak Chinese. Yeah. I mean, I really like this movie, but that plays into my main issue with it is that there are so many scenes in English. This movie, for the most part, avoids the weird problem that comes up where you'll have English villains in another movie mm-hmm. speaking to each other in Hindi for some reason, Thugs of Hindustan especially, mm. which I feel like Amir Khan thought he was making Mongol Pandey again when he was doing Thugs of Hindustan, but he w- really wasn't. I really 
like Thugs of Hindustan, though. It's trying to do the same thing, but just, like, English actors speaking Hindi to each other all the time. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Oh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is in Mandarin. Okay, so it's the other way around. But I, yeah. Yeah. But in this, there's a lot of scenes of, like, company officials and army guys talking to each other about the way that this rebellion is going and stuff. And then you get Om Puri coming in and explaining what they're saying, often right after they say it, Mm -hmm. in Hindi. And I wonder if maybe, like, test audiences didn't like all the English or couldn't follow it and thought, okay, we don't want to do subtitles here. We want to just have Om Puri explain. Because it kind of just derails the story every time. Mm. But this is a very... English-centric problem. If I spoke, if I was a Hindi speaker primarily, I wouldn't mind as much because I'd be having Umpuri explain it to me. But it kind of just derails the uh, the flow. I found. I honestly have no idea if they show Bollywood films to test audiences. I feel like they wouldn't because of all the piracy concerns. I guess, but this was also like 2003, right? 2005. I mean, there were still 2005. Okay. I feel like the piracy concerns were even bigger then. I feel like it's. Well, maybe internally, it's like, this is too much English. English, English, English. We have to to put some Hindi in there. Otherwise, our audience is not going to follow. I mean, I do feel like the Om Puri narration, um, it carries you from scene to scene. I think there's a way you could have done most of that organically through dialogue rather than having a narrator do it. He is explaining a lot, but I do... There's a lot that happens. I do think it works, and I think also it's important to remember that this is a film made for Indian audiences. It's not made for us. It's This specifically annoyed me, but like, I realize why it's there, and it's not for me. Yeah. But on the whole, I think it's great. I really like this movie a lot. Uh, The spectacle's great, sword fights, and the relationship between Amir Khan and... uh, Toby Stevens is great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Amisha it, it, Patel is underused, I would say. Sure. But uh, Rani Mukherjee's great. Yeah, she's, um, I mean, she's a love interest for Mangal Pandey, but I feel like she's also just there for spectacle. She's got her own little movie going on in the background. Like, <laughs> yeah. She says that she's been bought and sold like, a bunch of times, and yeah, it's, she's got a hard life. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I think, I think she's great here and she runs around killing people at the end so you know she helps yeah this is the same year as bunty or bubbly and black wow <laughs> so that's like, a big year for i her. feel like like an exceptional year for randy mcgurgy and i just feel like all three of those films and all three of those performances They're very different are so different and require yeah. such different skills from her especially black i mean holy cow oh i mean she's she's amazing in black and she's yeah. so much fun in bunty or bubbly and here again, like she, it's like kind of Chandra Mukti, Devdas, sad prostitute thing. Yeah, I mean, it does kind of feel like she's pushed into the film to just kind of be like a girlfriend, a girl. Yeah, like just so they have a girl in the movie. Um, but I think she makes a huge presence in that small role. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not that dissimilar from the Katrina Kaif role in Thugs of Hindustan, which I also like. Her uh, song is, like, her dance sequence is good. is great. Yeah. 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 I basically like this movie for the most part. I, the one thing I find annoying about it, the audience is probably not going to find annoying. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I was kind of, when we were going to watch it, I kept calling it Indian Braveheart. Yeah. Uh, which is, I think, a, a bit unfair because Braveheart gets very, very maudlin, and mm-hmm. I don't think this film does. No, this could have ended... Well, it does end with, like, footage of Gandhi and Partition and Independence Day and all that, but it's not like Amir Khan does a huge speech about it. Yeah. At the end, all he does, all he says is, attack, and then Union kicks off. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bhagat Mango Singh's... Mango the Rising, making history fun. Yeah. 
Bhagat Singh is a bit more of that sort of cheese ball history, although we'll get yeah. into that. Do you wanna do you wanna set up the legend of Bhagat Singh for us? Yeah. And describe the plot. So I'm passing the torch to you. Passing the torch of rebellion. <laughs> Uh, so The Legend of Bhagat Singh came out in 2002, so predating uh, Mango Pandey. Directed by Rajkumar Santoshi. Stars Ajay Devgan, Sushant Singh, not Sushant Singh Rajput, that's a different guy. Mm-hmm. D. Santosh and Akhilendra Mishra. Uh, so it, like Sardar Udam, centers around the Jallianwala Bagh massacre, although uh, it's not as big of a deal in this one. But no. it's more like, you all know about this. Yeah. Yeah, it... You see Bhagat Singh uh, witness the massacre when he was a child, which kind of made me... Makes me wonder about the timeline versus Sardar Udam. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he must have been a child because he, when he died at 23. Um, and Sar, from what I understand, Udam Singh was killed. And I mean, they were both killed. But was killed when he was in his 40s so yeah. that that checks out that he would be in his 20s i guess but in 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 sardar Adam, they seem roughly the same age. yeah they do yeah uh so bhagat singh is the uh one of the revolutionary heroes of india fighting against the raj in the 20s and 30s mm-hmm. uh same time period as the uh history parts in rangi Basanti. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he is, and then a, these are a lot of the same characters yeah. that that we see in Rangda Basanti. Yeah, uh, he is one of the founding members, I guess. He's in a he's in a certain organization first, but then he kind of kicks off the Hindustan Socialist Republic Association, mm-hmm. which Udam Singh is part of. So uh, I don't think they actually spelled it out in Sardar Udam, but then we find out in this what it is. Yeah. Um, this movie had good reviews, but poor box office. It's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. It's gone on to be very well regarded mm-hmm. uh, I believe Ajay Devgan has said it's one of the best films he's ever made I would tend to agree Yeah. Uh, this won three film for awards for best background score best film critics and best actor critics and two national film awards for best feature in Hindi and best actor mm-hmm. I get it mm-hmm. um, so Bhagat Singh is a uh, Sikh guy from Punjab uh, he is probably like 10, I guess, in this chronology when the Jallianwala massacre happens. So that was in Amritsar. A bunch of uh, people were organizing and meeting in this kind of walled-off area. Mm-hmm. And a British officer went in to disperse them. I believe it's the Rowlett Act. That means that you couldn't have more than two people meeting in public, but mm-hmm. the, they're in a state of martial law. Uh, we'll get into that more in uh, Sardar Udam, but like Bhagat Singh would have been 12. He would have been 12. Okay. He, he was born in out. 1907, so... That checks out. Killed with... in 1931. Yeah. So, yeah, he was 12. Maybe we're to assume that Vicky Koshal is playing younger in that scene. Yeah, they, again, like, they He do... could be, like, 15, and that that would kind of roughly make sense. Yeah, again, we're, we're getting ahead to the, yeah. the other film, but... So, he uh, does not actually witness the massacre, but uh, shows up afterwards, just just like Udam Singh, actually. Mm-hmm. And he was... Udam Singh was born in 1899, so he was older. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, about seven, eight years older then. Yeah. Okay. That, uh, that actually makes a lot of sense. I think that matches... We might have just misperceived them as roughly the same age in Sardar Udam. We're yeah. getting derailed. Go. <laughs> yeah. So Bhagat Singh becomes very interested in Indian independence. Yes. And he's kind of like a fan of Gandhi. 
he uh, starts pamphleteering and starts uh, he's really interested in the uh, it wasn't the quit India movement it was the the one where they just decided to basically go work to rule on the British like don't go to school don't go to work don't buy British stuff but then Gandhi called that campaign off after a uh, police station was attacked and some cops were killed. The non-cooperation. The movement. non-cooperation. Yeah. Movement. yeah, Quit India, I think it was later. But anyway, uh, Bhagat Singh kind of becomes radicalized at this point, mm-hmm. if he wasn't already after Jallianwala Bagh. He's like, we need to actually go out there and do anything. Gandhi's too interested in uh, the politics of the Congress and trying to make friends with the Raj, but we need to start like crack at skulls. Mm-hmm. So he becomes a revolutionary after going to a kind of a, a university set up by Indian people. I forget what it's called, but it's like, this is where you don't need a lot of money. It's like a people's university. Mm-hmm. And he meets uh, Rajguru and Sukhdev at this place. Uh, interestingly, like Mangal Pandey, the movie actually starts with um, Bhagat Singh's execution and the immediate afterward, where they dig a tunnel in the jail wall and uh, secrete their bodies out there because... There's a mm-hmm. huge amount of people outside, and they don't want to start a riot. And they actually take their bodies to a river, uh, dismember them, set them on fire, and try and like dispose of it. So mm-hmm. pretty brutal, actually. All of these films start with kind of near the end of the the figure's life. And yeah, flash it's interesting flashback. that they've all went for that non chronological way of telling the story. Well, especially Sardar Udham. Yeah, Sardar Udham is jumping around all over the place. Yeah. But um, Bhagat Singh gets in with uh, the HRA, which becomes the HSRA, mm-hmm. and they start uh, attacking uh, the British in many ways. They hold up a train and uh, steal a bunch of gold and guns. This is where a lot of the um, people in charge of the old association get captured. And uh, Azad, basically, like the, the master of disguise, is the only one who gets away. And he kind of mentors the younger generation in their battles against the British. Uh, this is a pretty adventurous movie for the first part, but then it becomes more of a prison drama for the second part. Yeah. because and really focuses on... The hunger strike. Yeah, Bhagat Singh's hunger strike. Yeah, because Which they, lasts for over 100 days. It's crazy. Oh my God. Um, so they get kidnapped, they get captured, and like 14 of them are being put on trial. And over yeah. the course of the trial, they start doing a hunger strike. And you see just how difficult this is. They're also very rowdy in court. They're very rowdy in court. It's, it's pretty fun, actually. Yeah. Well, Mongol Pandey doesn't really... He has a little bit of a court-martial scene, but Sardar Udham is also very rowdy in court. Uh, they, they actually get kidnapped. They get captured after going to uh, the parliament building and throwing a bomb into the middle mm-hmm. of the room, making sure not to hurt anybody, mm-hmm. but shooting and uh, saying, down with imperialism, long live the revolution, throwing pamphlets everywhere. So they actually got arrested on purpose. Yeah. And the idea was that they would say all of their slogans and raise general consciousness during the trial as things get reported. Mm-hmm. Uh, Udam Singh also tries to do this, but there's like a gag order placed because he's in England yeah. as opposed to being in India. Mm-hmm. So the last part of the movie is um, Bhagat Singh and his friends, uh, you know, hunger striking and eventually being put to death. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's good. Um, it is good. It's, it's a bit cheesier. This one felt a bit more like eating your vegetables. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a bit drier than than the other two. It seems like it has a bunch of marks that it's having to hit. Yeah. Yeah. Like all these, all, all three of these films, I think, hit a different tone. 
And this is the tone that just didn't, didn't like connect school? with me as much. The first half, I think, is kind of fun. Yeah. The second half is like, because the action is different. It's more interior and, mm-hmm. you know, one man defeating the British Empire by not eating anything. Yeah. And I think of all three of the films, this is the one that has the, the weakest English language actors. Yeah, they're very bad. And so that kind of draws us out a bit. And again, we, we again recognize that that's an issue that not every audience and maybe not every audience member is going to have and maybe not the audience that the film is meant for is going to have. But it, it's something that we notice and, you know, it's yeah, it just kind of it, it marks the film a bit for us, unfortunately. Bhagat Singh is kind of like a faultless person. Yeah. I guess Mangal Pandey is too, but like... He also has to do the Punjabi boy comes home to the farm and his they're setting him up with a girl and yeah. he the girl doesn't get the girl she, does nothing she doesn't get much to do um, we do get a couple of like fun song and dance sequences here like especially the introduction of Bhagat Singh on yeah, stage that was cool that was really fun because other people at the school are just like oh this guy's doing a play for English people we hate him and then it's more like. Ah, this play is trying to ridicule the English yes, people. And that was a really fun scene. Yeah. Um, but, like, I, I found the whole girl subplot pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, you could have eliminated it entirely, but I guess they wanted to hit all of those notes on his journey. I guess, like, ultimately my issue with the film is I didn't connect with it um, as as emotionally as I as I do with Rang Devasanti. And we'll discuss Sardar Udam, but I really connected with that film. Uh, Mangal Pandey, I didn't think, was really asking for an emotional connection. It's more of an adventure movie. But I think here, I think here, you know, the film really does, it wants you to empathize with Bhagat Singh. It's hard not not to. It's hard not to, but I just, I don't think I got there, Mm -hmm. personally. Um, You know, I think he was an extraordinary figure, and it's astounding to me that he, he was hanged at 23. I wonder if Ajay Devgan was the right choice to pay to play like he I don't was, think he was so that much older. young. He's not that much older. Like, okay, I'm, let, I'm, I'm look looking up, it look up. Look up how old he was when he played him. So 2005, and Ajay Devgan was I born in 1969. Dev- oh, <laughs> wait a minute. So that means he was 35 or so, right? Okay, that's a bit old. I I thought yeah. that he just had an old face, but <laughs> okay. Yeah. I just you don't get the it, you don't get other, that sense of like the other lost two guys youth. also don't seem like they're twenty I guess yeah but I think for us when when we found out that he was twenty three like that sense of like yeah lost youth you know mm-hmm. I'm not trying to cast the film I'm just yeah. trying to say that I think this is something you see often this guy's playing way younger than they should you see often in Bollywood films but I think especially when he's playing a real figure mm-hmm. and the tragedy of him having died so young, it doesn't sink in in the yeah. same way. Yeah, it, we didn't actually know until they told us later. You know, like I couldn't, I don't know, I, I was thinking about Motorcycle Diaries mm, <laughs> while yeah. I was watching this. Yeah. And I mean, like, the very different revolution, very different um, historical figure, but I was thinking, like, it would be great to see, like, more of a... Uh, motorcycle Diaries take on Bagat Singh. I guess, like, Motorcycle Diaries, I think, really, like, emphasizes um, the Che Guevara's youth at the time. And what a waste it is. And what, yeah, and what a waste it all is, you know. Like, again, 
we're talking about very different revolutions. We're talking about very different people. I don't want to substitute like one revolutionary sure. figure for another. Um, it makes a lot more sense when you know that everyone is 20 years old and their frontal lobe has not developed. So well, the, the decisions that they made exactly like, yeah, like and is, the hot headed. This is what a 20 year old would do. Like just when I think about exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I guess like there was a part of me that just really wanted um, the youth, the youth of it all, and I think that's something that Rang Jepasanti does well. This is also why. Yes, even though Amir Khan is also like 35, even if not older. Amir Khan is too old. For that film. The characters are we, portrayed as being like 20-year-olds way over their head. Yeah, which we discussed when we when we discussed the film on the podcast. But I do think that film, because it's showing, you know, these kids in college, then remembering or kind of embodying the life of these revolutionaries, it really does drive home how young they were. Yeah. And that's something I didn't get from this film. So yeah, leave aside my motorcycle diaries comment because it's really but it's not also, important. Think more about Rang Devasanti. Sure. Rang Devasanti does a good job of articulating that. I think there's also an issue when you're looking at a period film that, um, with Rang Devasanti, they're dressed like modern day kids yeah. and they act like and talk like modern day kids. Whereas in the in the 2030s part, like they have to actively act differently. Mm-hmm. But it's a little bit difficult to put yourself in a mindset um, like clothes and societal attitudes looking at someone from the 20s and 30s and realizing that they're actually that young but mm-hmm. they could have done more on that i agree yeah yeah so I, I i liked this film i just didn't love it i i didn't love it i don't think it would be one i would revisit and i don't know if it would be one that i would kind of recommend to people wanting uh to learn more about this period i think i'd probably recommend rang to Basanti, which again like is it's a very different film but i think the way that that film connects connects you to history is really remarkable yeah i thought that the cinematography and stuff in this movie was very cool yeah. it reminded me of 1942 a love story okay uh because there's a lot of like cameras rushing around there's a fun sort of sepia tone look to it um i thought it's it, definitely very sepia tone it's that kind of early 2000s late 90s even Agni Path was kind of like this it's there's like a garrulousness to the filmmaking mm. where it looks like they're just going for broke the whole time. Whereas Mango Pandi's a lot more, maybe the action is a bit more adventurous, but like it's shot like a historical epic. But this one, it kind of got down and dirty a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Sardar Down's a lot more naturalistic. But I, I think that's interesting that there's three ways of showing these kind yeah. of stories. So I, I appreciated that. Yeah, these are. You could have done this like the movie Gandhi or something and have it be this grand historical epic with thousands mm-hmm. of people. But this. You know, maybe due to budget or just the way they wanted to do it, it has a more down to earth quality. There's, that I appreciate. there's grit. Yeah. There's grit in the image. Yeah. I do appreciate that. Yeah. All right. So, with that, I think we're ready for interval. Yeah. So, we're going to be playing a song from Mongo Pande Arasia. Uh, this was the sexiest song in Mongo Pande. I, uh, I was fanning myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, obviously, it's the one I wanted to include. Yeah. It so made an impression. Enjoy. Bata de Liguria, Hebokon, Rasia, Juman Vachura, Istora. 
Okay, three, two, one. Hi friends, Caitlin and Shanika here from Get Checkered. We are your favorite female co-hosted Formula One podcast based out of Calgary, Alberta. Join us weekly as we share our hot takes on the Formula One world with a little bit of sass. Catch the podcast on any streaming service by searching Get Checkered. Whether you're a casual fan or an enthusiast, we We hope you enjoy enjoy the ride. ATB was built to help Alberta businesses. From CEBA applications to lending information, debt consolidation, loans, or deferrals, whatever your business is facing right now, ATB is here to help with expert advice. And with today's economy top of mind in business, stay up to date with The Future of Podcast, hosted by ATB's Chief Economist, Todd Hirsch. To learn more, visit atb.com. And that was Rossia from Mungle Pundit. I hope everyone felt how sexy it was. Very sexy. It's very sexy. So, Sardar Udam came out 2021, was delayed due to COVID. Yeah. Now on Amazon Prime. So, this is Shujit Sirkar. At one point, supposed to have a theatrical release. That yeah. release was delayed. They spent a lot of money on this movie, so I could yeah. see why they wanted to. Yeah. So, anyways, it's, it's, it's gone to Amazon Prime, and I'm grateful for that. <laughs> Wasn't Shujit Sirkar's last movie on Amazon Prime, too? Uh, yeah. Sitabo? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. This is his first period film. Interesting. Uh, so, Shujit Sarkar, as I mentioned, this movie features Vicky Koshal. And can, now, now we need to stop and say, Vicky. Vicky Koshal. <laughs> Vicky Koshal is having an amazing year. Yeah. He's given the like. Historically, I don't know if anyone has best, had a best, better year than this. Yeah, I mean, this might not be his best performance of his career, but I'm sure this is like a huge career high. This is certainly the most visible. And acclaimed performance he's ever given. This is so far based on the movies we've watched. I would say this is the best male performance of the year. Potentially, yeah. Like, I, I think overall I still... He should get all the awards. I love his performance in Masan more. Yeah. Um, but or this, Raman Raghav. He's pretty... Oh, yeah. He's great in that, too. But this is clearly, like, the biggest, yeah. most critically acclaimed performance he's ever given. I'm sure he's got to be a shoe in for the Film Fair for Best Actor. Yeah, I would I'm call sure this... he's got to be in contention for... The National Award for Best Actor as well. I would call this like an uh, awards push, but it also seems like more of a just an important project. This feels very genuine. Yeah. Uh, and also, he just married Katrina Kaif. Yeah. I oh my God. Congratulations. I'm sure they're listening. Katrina, we love you. It would be difficult to have a better uh, year than that. Oh my God. And like, I remember that season of Coffee with Karan when Katrina Kaif said she thought she'd look really good with Vicky Koshal, like on Vicky Koshal's arm. And then Karen Johar brought it up when Vicky Koshal was on the episode. And Vicky Koshal was just like, oh my God. And now they're married. It's adorable, Matt. Yeah. Uh, it's nice. The photos are incredible. I'm just so happy for them. I don't know them, but I'm so happy that these two incredibly talented, ridiculously good looking people have found one another. They're going to have amazingly hot children. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I mean, Katrina Kev is having a good year too. We're going to watch Surya Vanchi soon, uh, but that's made a lot of money. Like, made a lot of money. I bet her character's nothing to write home about. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's probably going to be like the, the movie that made the most money. So that's nothing to get mad about either. Yeah. Well, I mean, 83 is still to come, but yeah. 83's only got like six days of the year. Left. Yeah, but I guess like its box office will trickle over into sure. twenty twenty two. I guess it depends on how you count it. Count it. Anyways, Vicky Koshal having an amazing year. You yeah. can go back to talking about the film. So this movie <laughs> features Vicky Koshal, Sean Scott, Stephen Hogan, Emil Parashar, and Banatasadu. 
Um, Benet Asadu was in October. Okay, so I haven't so. actually seen that one. Yeah. Um, I've seen most of the Shujit Serkar movies, but not that one, because you said it was bad. I, Lots of people seem to like it, but it yeah, sounds like a bore. I really don't think it's your thing, but I don't know. Maybe we should do it at some point. Maybe we should do an episode on Shujitsarkar at some point. Or we could just do Girlfriend in a Coma movies. <laughs> uh, again, it I wasn't it's It wasn't for me. But I will say I do love that Sujit Sarkar, across his filmography, shows such a range. Um, so this movie is about Udam Singh's assassination of Michael O'Dwyer, the former lieutenant governor of Punjab. So he does this in 1940. Yes. And this is pretty early on in the movie we see this happen, and then it kind of takes like almost the Citizen Kane approach of meeting people from this character's past and seeing how he got to this point. Yeah, it really surprised me that the assassination is so early on in the film, but as I watched the film, it became clear to me why. Yeah. Um, but, so that's like the first two-thirds of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty long movie. And then I would say the last 40 minutes or so are like a moment-by-moment recreation of the Jallianwala Bagh massacre, which, and the aftermath. like Bhagat Singh, Udam Singh was not there, but he goes and helps people. Yes. Uh, so this movie and was... And so, to, to, to just kind of make it clear, uh, Udam Singh was... He, he assassinated Michael O'Dwyer in revenge, yeah. to, to avenge the Jallianwala yeah. massacre. With good reason. Yes. Um, <laughs> Because uh, Michael O'Dwyer was Lieutenant Governor of Punjab and responsible for it. Yeah. He wasn't the, the soldier on site. That, that was another guy. But O'Dwyer was the one who made the call. Yeah. Um, he's responsible. Yeah. Ultimately, the buck stops there with him. Yeah. Sarkar initially pitched this movie in the 90s mm-hmm. with Irfan Khan cast, but he had to step away due to health issues, which is too bad. But it would have yeah. been great with him, but I think... Vicky Koshal does an amazing job. So. so I'm not sure if Irfan Khan was cast in the 90s, um, which is when Sarkar was initially kind of pitching the film, but he was he was cast when the project was eventually kind of started to move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, as unfortunately, Irfan Khan had to step away due to his health. And from what I understand, that version of the film would have had Irfan Khan's son play the younger oh, version yeah. of Dancing. Yeah, if if he was in his forties when he was executed, then that would be more of an Irfan Khan role. Yeah, but I think Vicky Koshal does a pretty good job of being younger and older too. I guess so. he lost an incredible amount of weight to play him. As he's a pretty skinny. Man. Yeah, he's he's a little guy. Yeah, and um, I mean, let's look up Vicky Koshal's age. I think he kind of he's like I think in the middle probably. Yeah, he's thirty three, so he can like believably play up. I mean, I we just uh, we just said Bhagat Singh was kind of bullshit for doing that exact same thing, but I feel like he commits more. I don't know. But I think like because you see Udam Singh at these kind of two points in his life, and it's very clear that Vicky Koshal makes. Um, I mean, he he goes through a physical transformation. He lost a lot of weight so that he could play the younger version, but also like he carries himself differently. So you kind of he see, runs around like a weird little kid. Yeah, you see. Through his performance, he also like makes those two ages believable. Ajay Devgan is the same. I think Ajay Devgan also yeah. just like at thirty six has like an older face than like Vicky Koshal has kind of a baby face. Yeah, I would not have guessed he was thirty three actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this movie was shortlisted as India's submission to the best foreign film category at the awards, the Academy Awards. Uh, the Tamil film Kuzangal or Pebbles was selected. This feels like a 
misstep to me. I mean, I think this is the sort of thing that would win. I mean, you haven't seen Pebbles. I know, but like, this movie ruled. And I think it would transcend uh, the language barrier by virtue of it being half in English. Yeah, so I know that both um, Sadarudam and Sharni were among the 14 films shortlisted for submission to the award. And we said Shirney would have also been good, too. I think Shirney would have been Maybe fantastic. we should watch Pebbles to find out why it's so good. I don't um, know. We don't have time. What I was reading from the news articles is that the the selection panel uh, who chose the film felt that Sadar Udam was, like, too long and also too anti-British. <laughs> Again, um, it's not the BAFTAs. This is the Oscars. <laughs> Yeah, which I... They're not going to care if it's anti-British. I thought it was interesting, but I think that also goes to show you again that, like... And Pebbles might be an excellent film. I'm sure Pebbles is a great film. It probably is good. Um, But it goes to show you kind of, like, that choosing what film goes to... Like, what film is selected by each country for that award is not necessarily based on merit. No, they should be asking us, though, (laughs) because we would have guaranteed two Oscars. Well... (laughs) I don't think that's fair. Except for, I mean, what was the last time that we thought was going to do? They it? did send send Gully Boy, and Gully Boy got close to the nomination, but didn't quite get the nomination. Jelly Catu should have got it though. They did send Jelly Catu. Yeah, they so, listened to us on that one. Yeah, the us the the voters were wrong that time, and, and they're going to be wrong I, this time I too. I don't. I'm not trying to in any way be disparaging towards Pebbles and say that it is not a film of greater or equal quality I was more to, of a Bam Bam guy though is the problem. to Sardar Udam all I'm saying is that you know these panels are making considerations like man this movie's too anti-British can't send it yeah but um, but the film has received listen, listen critical up, acclaim listen up fellas movies about <laughs> hating the British do well in the States because they hate the British <laughs> yeah they had a whole war about it well, but I don't know if the U.S. is willing to face their colonialist past. Yeah, and I guess, like, the King's Speech, etc. There's, yeah, there's they love the of, King's Speech. The King's Speech got yeah, best picture. Downton Abbey, there's all this sort of British loving, I guess. Okay. I don't know if that's the best call, but still. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so the plot of the film itself, as Matt's already alluded to, it is nonlinear, and it opens in 1940 with uh, Udem Singh in... Britain, uh, kind of right before he assassinates Michael O'Dwyer, and we see that very early on in the film. O'Dwyer is trying to drum up support for Indians to join the war effort. Yeah. So he's in England, but he's doing a speech about when I was in the Punjab. And he's always referring to it as my Punjab. Like he's Baron Harkonnen and and talking about Dune. And also talks about how it is a like moral responsibility of the English people to take care of the Indian people. The white man's burden. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And you're like, that guy needs to get got. I understand immediately. Kill (laughs) that guy. He sucks. Uh, the film then flashes back and forth between Udam Singh in jail and him kind of being uh, tortured. Yeah. And they do that to Bhagat Singh too. Oh yeah. There's and, a lot of torture in all of these movies. Yeah, and interrogated, you know, asked why he has done what he's done, who his accomplices are, uh, and eventually then we see his his trial. So we see kind of the the narrative of what happens after the assassination all the way till his hanging and then we also cut to uh kind of his uh revolutionary days as a younger man in india his relationship 
with a woman that he fancies. Yeah, uh, she's deaf. Yes, she's deaf. Uh, and then kind of him, you know, going to, to going to prison in India, eventually being released, and then ending up in like the USSR, and then eventually Britain and his early or and and then also his experiences in Britain where he takes a lot of different jobs and eventually also kind of works for Michael O'Dwyer and yeah that's a real kind of mid mid movie turnaround like I didn't know the history and the fact that he like was his servant for a lot of time that's really interesting yeah so we're seeing kind of those two threads of you know from the assassination onwards but then also how Udom Singh ended up there it seemed like he actually did pretty well for himself in England too like he had a car yeah, but he was always changing his dress, yeah. changing his name. He had good tradecraft. Because, I mean, he knew he, he wasn't wanted. He tried a revolutionary. To buy gu- he tried to buy guns from the IRA. Yeah. And and in the flashbacks of his kind of young revolutionary days in uh, India, you do see uh, Bhagat Singh yeah. uh, and his friendship and involvement which, with the HSRA. There's a nice part where Bhagat Singh... They're HSRA, all in, right? HSRA, yeah. yeah. There's a nice part where Bhagat Singh... He's talking about like what they're going to do when they're free. He's yeah. like, I'm going to go to the movies. I'm going to take a girl to a dance. I'm just going to be normal. Yeah. And that's really, that's what you want, right? Like, yeah. I see. I think this film does a much better job of really showing that tragedy of youth thing yeah. that, I was, that I was talking about. Through Bagot uh, Singh, because we see him as, I guess, a 20-year-old. Well, but Udam Singh, you see him all the way up to being 40. But also his relationship with Benita Sandu, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's that's very lovingly portrayed. Eventually, in the last third of the film, you see the Jalanwadok Beg massacre. Basically, the cop who's been chasing him comes to him in solitary confinement before he's executed and says, "Well, why'd you do it?" Yeah, and the inspector, yeah, yeah. And then he says, and then he finally he explains what happened. Oh, he explains what happened, presumably through the interpreter, and and explains you know how devastating it was and and the aftermath of it and you see a young Udom Singh desperately trying to save as many people as possible and look for his girlfriend and and look for yeah and look for his girlfriend uh and it's it's absolutely heartbreaking it is brutal Um, it's like saving Prevor Ryan I've heard it referred to and I I get that yeah it's I don't think it is quite as gory as saving Prevor Ryan but it's up there that same part of Ryan also didn't linger on it for like half an hour. Yeah, just the immense loss of life and the tragedy. And the film really puts you in there for a good 40 minutes. This is the third movie and we've seen this depicted in too. Because we saw it in Falari as well. Yeah. And Bhagat Singh. And they each had a different way of doing it. And it's this is definitely the most like... Well, Falari, you like barely see it. You mostly just see all the like ghosts. Yeah, it's, it's sort yeah. of a magic realist style. Whereas Bhagat Singh... It's very quick. Very quick and sort of what a child would remember, I guess. Whereas uh, this is like kitchen sink. (laughs) Here's what it would be like right after a massacre. It is. Well, the massacre itself and then then the aftermath. It is exceptionally well done. It's it's very difficult to watch. but That would be the trigger warning, I think. The other ones, I think, are... It's brutal, but you can handle it. This is just like... That is a 40-minute exploration of absolute terror. But I think there's a lot of value in the way it's shown. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of value in the way that it shows people trying to come together after the violence and save as many people as possible. And you get why he wanted to kill that guy so bad. harrowing of circumstances. It's actually surprising why he didn't kill him earlier. Yeah, so... He had a much better opportunity, really. 
I think this film is excellent. Yeah. Um, there are no songs. It's a completely instrumental score. Yeah. Uh, and there's a very naturalistic quality to it. As we've already said, this is like this is an incredible performance from Vicky Koshal, and it's just it's a deeply moving film. Yeah. I I can't recommend it a lot enough. I really loved it. The only way it would be better is if Churchill got shot too. <laughs> yeah. So you get a little bit of him. You do. Because it becomes a bit and of a... he doesn't come across well. No, it's like a bit of a political football, too, because Udem Singh will not give up any the of his The Oscars love Churchill, too. See, I don't know. Yeah. I kind of... I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he will not give up any names. Like, yeah. he is tough as nails. And, and he also goes on a hunger strike. Yeah. Um, and we get another forced feeding, which is... It's pretty brutal in both of them, actually. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, he will not name names, even though, like... He's friends, kind of lovers, maybe, with an English socialist. He doesn't even give her up, and they eventually track her down. I don't think they were lovers. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. But, like, <laughs> he had people he could mention. Yeah. It's not all, like, the Indian people in England. Like, he... Yeah. I would say he even had collaborators is the thing, though. As the movie well, portrays he... it, like, he shows up, and there's sort of revolutionary elements there. Yeah. But they say, you're too wild, you know... Just calm down. You can't do this on your own. And instead, he embarks on like a, a one-man Munich for six years, just amassing guns and funds, and eventually plotting this guy's assassination at his lowest point. Like he's he's drunk. He's uh, oh, what happened to him? Because he he kind of gets kicked out of the organization. No one wants to be with him. Yeah. He has a whole sort of drunk monologue to a white homeless guy, and then he decides like, oh, there's my old employer who kickstarted this massacre as my last act I will take him down well and one of the things that's so interesting is the murder the assassination is not as calculated as you would think it is no at least the way it's, it's presented. almost spur of the moment exactly like, it's he almost... sees that it's happening like I might as well do this yeah it's spur of the moment he sees that he's giving a talk and he you know cuts out a book and puts a gun in it and then shows up and and it's just kind of it's almost like yeah, taxi driver that part it's where it's impulsive. like it's it's him sort of practicing how to do a murder. Yeah. Um, and unlike Mongo Pandey and Bhagat Singh, like we do see Udham Singh not in the greatest of lights all the time. He's mm-hmm. he's drunk and he gets kicked out of this organization and no one really wants to be with him. Mm-hmm. And he starts a fight with fellow workers at yeah, one point. You could see why a man might be driven to do this. In addition to the political reasons, in addition to humanitarian reasons, he's isolated. Well, and I think that Vicky Koshal's performance does such a good job of keeping you at a remove through most of like what you would call like present day, kind of from the inciting incident onward. He, he does not talk a lot. No, and then like I think his entire his entire performance of when Udham Singh is in in England. Uh, is really reserved and really detached, and that's contrasted with the Udham Singh that you see in India. Mm-hmm. And I think he does such a good job of really showing you these two men. Mm-hmm. And, and well, what changed? And what changed? And eventually, now. when you see the Jallianwala Bagh massacre, you know, and it all kind of clicks into place, and 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 that's when you realize, oh, this is why this is structured in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really well done. Shujit Sarkar, uh, I think, you know, is a great director. And when I look at his filmography, again, I, I mentioned this earlier, 
the it's all bangers i haven't seen october but a lot of people love that one well it's just it's such like he shows such a variety of of different tones and and aesthetics you know vicky donor madras cafe piku october galabo satabo and now this um like it's clear to me that two comedies, international mystery, well, three comedies, I guess. Yeah. Vicky Donner, Girl of Bocitabo, and uh, um, Piku. Piku. But like, also. It's clear to me that this is all the same guy, but it's just, it's amazing just how uh, he's always doing something different. Yeah. You know, because even those three comedies, Vicky Donner, Piku, and Girl Bocitabo, are themselves very different. Yeah. In tone and aesthetic. And yeah. I would say that this movie looks amazing. They spent a lot of money. There's. It does look fantastic. Period accurate clothing, cars, um, like London looks great. Vicky Koshal's wardrobe is amazing. Yeah, like it's it's maybe one of those things where all the cars and clothes look a little too good for <laughs> what his life would be like. But you get that in a lot of Hollywood movies too, where it's like every car is just gleaming. It's like a big '50s Cadillac, yeah. and it doesn't really reflect what real people's stuff would look like. But it's what. Uh, Bill Beard said about Mad Men to you, right? Like, no one yeah. actually lived like that. It was a catalog. Yeah. But that's kind of why you go to movies, too. Like, you <laughs> don't really want to see someone's dirty old car or boring clothes. You want everyone to kind of look cool. Did you find, though, that, like, did you feel that the film glorified the era? Glorified the era? Like, do you think it glorifies the 1940s in any way? Or, or the... I don't. Th- I don't think it glorifies England really. Yeah. Like it looks. Because there's a way that like Mad Men glorifies yeah. the 1960s. Yeah. I mean, you're seeing it through his perspective, so it's kind of. Yeah. Uh, he's mostly in prison for the modern day stuff, so that doesn't look great. Mm-hmm. But it looks realistic. I would say. I mean, I wasn't alive back then. Yeah. But it doesn't look like. But I see what you're saying. It all looks a little too. Like there's a nostalgia to it. I would say like yeah, there's a nostalgia to it, but maybe not a glorification. Just in how it's like, all kind of a little too period perfect. Rangoon probably goes a bit further in this, where everything yeah. like all of Saifali Khan's clothes look amazing, and you know, uh, all the costumes and everything look great there. Or uh, Bombay velvet kind of makes the '60s look super cool. This is probably skewing a bit more realistic, but also. Still pretty nice. Yeah. Um, I don't think you'd want to see a movie that's like pure 1940s drudgery. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it's just like it has a very slick look to it is all. It's slick but not overly so. Yeah. But again, also like very like Sarkar has such a naturalistic approach to his camera Mm -hmm. and the way that he blocks out these scenes and just kind of subtly shows you uh, the characters. You know, it's it's really well done. He's great at... uh, um, showing us the topography of Jolly and Wallabog because mm-hmm. he goes over and over and over. He gets a card and he's grabbing like three or four people at a time and bringing them to this hospital and it's probably goes back like ten times. Yeah. And just showing how difficult it would be to push three bodies on a cart. They're falling off and they're complaining like, yeah, that's what it would be like in an emergency situation. Just like, it's difficult. It's hard. It's I- not heroic seeming. It's more like he's just trying to do what he can. And I think this film does a really good job of like really laying out all of the um, 
all of the politics at play and just kind of the historical aspect of things. Like, I didn't feel oh, like... Oh, is a real piece of shit. Like, yeah. that guy did a great job of being a hateable bastard. But yeah. you can also see why that guy would have gotten to that point. But he does it, you know, Sokar does it in this, in this non-linear way that could easily come across as confused. But I think he kind of gives you the information you need to kind of follow along and understand uh, enough that by the time you see the Jalanwala Beg massacre, you kind of understand the events that like led up to that or the the control that the British army had in the area. You see the and HSRA the way, headquarters getting yeah, raided by the, the army. Yeah, and the way that they were trying to kind of tamp down on things. And then you also understand kind of the the events that would lead Udham Singh afterwards. Like it just mm -hmm. kind of all clicks together. Um, and in that sense, like I don't feel like the film is necessarily giving you like a history lesson. It, it doesn't cover everything. Um, but I think it kind of gives you enough that I don't think you would need to understand much about this point in history. I think, I think you need to know that at one point India was a British colony. Um, but other than that, I don't think you need to understand that much of the of this point in history to, to watch the film. And also there's a text blurb at the end saying, you know, such and such as many people were killed yeah. in the massacre and to this date the English government has never apologized. Yeah. So. Because that's, I guess that's another reason why I can see like, oh, we shouldn't put forward a film like this for the Oscars. It's too like steeped in history they might not understand. But I'm like, I feel like they make it all very clear. It's, you get enough to go by and it doesn't have the big info dumps of Mango Pandey and Bugatsen. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's so yeah, I love this film. I think it's definitely one of um, the best Bollywood films that have come out this year. Best any film that came out this year. Yeah, I highly recommend that people watch it, and it's streaming now on Amazon Prime. So I'm I'm very grateful that they made the film accessible. I'd love uh, to see it on the big screen someday. I think yeah, I would, it would be a pretty grueling experience, but it would be pretty cool to see. Yeah, I I would go see this, and we are going to go see uh, Bollywood movie in theaters again soon. So it's mm -hmm. not that we're unwilling to go to the theaters, but I just I appreciate that, you know, considering everything that's been happening in the world for the past two years, that uh, Sujit Sarkar has put not one but two films on streaming to mm -hmm. you know kind of keep us entertained. Two pretty good ones to continue to move us. I remember Gulabo Sidabo being decent, but this is great. This is great, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of this rather heavy episode. Again, thank you for sticking with us. We are not uh, historians, mm -hmm. <laughs> but we, we did our best. Uh, we, we're going to be taking a break. Well, you're going to be probably taking about like a month-long break. Maybe even a month and a half. we got a yeah. lot to get through. Uh, it's, it's that time of the year. The holidays are upon us. The new year is on the horizon and we're going to take some time to catch up with as many 2021 Bollywood films from the back half of the year that we haven't seen yet and also to just like relax mm -hmm. I, I really need some relaxing there's a lot going on there's a lot going on uh so yeah we're going to be taking a break and we'll be back in the new year with our 2021 wrap-up episode in the meantime i feel like we already watched the two best movies so it's going to be well 83 is not here. out yet there's only so much a cricket also, movie. Also, I think Jersey's still on its way. I didn't Another like... Another cricket movie? There's only so much that I'm going to be engaged in. Those. I didn't, They're not Lagan. I didn't I didn't like Jersey. The original? I've seen the original. And interestingly, it's another like South Indian remake starring Shahid Kapoor. Is about a guy who's a complete dickhead? Uh, I remember thinking he was kind of dickish. So kinda, hate Jersey. Kind of <laughs> comes with the territory. I didn't hate Jersey as much as I hated um, Arjun Reddy, but... Anyways, 
I don't think there's anything you hated as much as On that note, that's, yeah, on that note, uh, how can people keep up with the show, Matt? Well, at Bollywood Pod on Twitter, I'm at Matt underscore B-O-W-E-S. I'm at Ernie Fraser, E-R-N-E-F-R-A-S-E-R. Facebook.com slash Bollywood is for lovers. Tumblr.com slash Bollywood is for lovers. Uh, you can rate and review us on your favorite uh, podcasting platform. I think we can see the reviews now. Yeah. I mean, we haven't gotten one in a while. It'd be nice yeah, to get a review. Yeah, if you want those biffle points, leave us a review. Yeah. Uh, while you're doing that, you can also check out my other show that I do with Paul Matwichuk called Trash Art and the Movies. We just released an episode on the conversation and enemy of the state. So mm-hmm. kind of surveillance state films with Gene Hackman. Uh, you had never seen the conversation before. No, it's great. Yeah, I'd seen Enemy of the State. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're both good movies, but one of them is like an all-time great film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, uh, thanks to Becca Dockey. Yes. She drew the toughie. Yes. Thank you, to Becca Dockey, for our work, and uh, that's it. Yeah. See you uh, next year. <laughs>